Let's open our Bibles together at this time to the book of Acts and the 19th chapter and verse 8. Acts 19.8 for our message from the Word of God this morning. Acts 19.8 is located on page 1175 if you've got the church Bible open this morning. Today's date is March 5th, 2023. Today's text is going to start in Acts 19.8 and go on down through verse 22. And the title of this morning's message is Paul goes back to school. The Apostle Paul goes back to school. And we begin with the story of a school teacher who was teaching her class about whales one day when a little girl raised her hand and told the teacher what she learned about Jonah in Sunday school. Well, the teacher smiled and told her that Jonah couldn't possibly have been swallowed by a whale because whales don't have throats big enough to swallow a man. So she shouldn't believe all the myths that she reads in her Bible. The little girl said, Well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah if it's true. And her teacher asked her, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little girl replied, then you can ask him. (laughs) Well, speaking of schools and Sunday schools, Here in Acts 19, the Apostle Paul is about to establish a Bible school in the city of Ephesus. And the story begins in the first two verses of our text, where, speaking of the Apostle Paul, it says in verses 8 and 9, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when different ones were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before The multitude must have been a pretty good-sized synagogue. Paul departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Now, as we begin, we see in verse 8 that the reason Paul went back to school is that He didn't seem to be getting anywhere in the synagogue, and so he needed a new place to continue teaching. And believe it or not, this is the same synagogue we read about last Sunday across the page in your Bible in Acts 18, verses 19 and 20, where it says of Paul that, He came to Ephesus, in verse 19, and left them there, Priscilla and Aquila. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. So as you can see, the the Jews in the synagogue in Ephesus originally were really interested in what he had to say. And they 
They begged him to tell them more. Well, he couldn't stay as we saw, but he promised to return. And now here in chapter 19, he has. And to their credit, those Jews listened to him talk about the kingdom of God for three months. I'm sure he told them that because they had rejected their king, the Lord Jesus, that God put the kingdom program on hold. But those Jews still didn't want to believe that the lowly carpenter from Nazareth was their king. So in verse 9 here in chapter 19, it says they were hardened. And that means that they hardened their hearts just like one of the kings of Israel did in your first cross-reference in 2 Chronicles 36, 11-13. says, Zedekiah did that which was evil and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. Instead, Zedekiah hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Zedekiah didn't want to turn to the Lord, so he didn't let his heart believe what Jeremiah was telling him. Instead, he steeled his heart against that truth. And these unsaved Jews here in Acts 19, they didn't want to believe what Paul was telling them. So they hardened their hearts as well. And verse 9 says that they began to speak evil of that way. And that way is what the followers of Christ were called ever since the Lord told them that uh, he was going to have to die in your next reference in John 14, 5 and 6. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Lord Jesus Christ isn't just one of many ways to God the Father. He is the only way to God the Father. And after the Lord said that, his followers began to be called the way, as you see in your next reference in Acts 9, 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, remember that's who we're talking about, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way. What was he talking about? Well, the disciples of the Lord. Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So, here in Acts 19, when Paul heard the Jews speaking evil of that way, verse 9 says he'd had enough. He separated the disciples and he departed. But now, if Paul had disciples, that means that some of those Jews believed, right? But if the rest of them were going to speak evil of that way, it was time to pull up stakes and go teach elsewhere. And as you can see there in verse 9, the, the elsewhere he chose was the school of a guy named Tyrannus. And this is the only time Tyrannus is mentioned in the Bible, so we really don't know anything about him other than the fact that you'd think his last name would be Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now... 
We're not told if this school was right next door to the synagogue, like that church Paul started in Corinth was, but no matter where it was in Ephesus, it, it provoked those Jews in that synagogue to envy when they saw how successful this school was. And we know it was because back in your Bible now, in verse 10, it says, And this, this teaching in the school of Tyrannus, this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now don't forget, the, the Asia there that it's talking about is what we call Asia Minor, but still a considerable area. And when all of Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord, I'll bet you that those Jews in that synagogue were provoked to envy. And as we saw in those studies in the past, that was Paul's mission in the book of Acts. To try to get the Jews envious enough to get saved and join him instead of opposing him and speaking evil of that way. Now, Asia is the same area we read about back in Acts 16 in your next reference, where in verse 6, uh, speaking of Paul and his entourage, <laughs> uh, it says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. And when we studied that passage, we saw why. It was back when Paul was just going from one small town to the next one, trying to reach the entire world that way. And the Holy Ghost looked down and shook his head and said, he's never going to reach the world that way. So the Holy Ghost directed him to some big cities knowing that the, the gospel would radiate out from those big cities to the small towns all around there. And you know, we've been seeing that worked out much better. <laughs> but now, now it was time to teach Paul an even better way to reach the world. A way that we still use today. Today we do what Paul did here. We start Bible schools like he did in Ephesus. And once men learn the Bible, learn the grace message in those schools, they go out and preach it. Even if those schools are right here in local churches like we're doing with Oscar. And that's the way it's been for nearly 2,000 years now. But now, once Paul's gospel got to be this famous in Asia, God knew that men would start to try to capitalize on Paul's success by claiming they were associated with him while they were out there teaching all their goofy doctrines. So, to make Paul stand out from the crowd there, God gave Paul the ability to do some things that those guys couldn't do. And you see that in the next two verses back in your Bible now. In verses 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from the sick, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, the first thing I got to tell you about that verse there is that when it says Paul sent aprons to people, <laughs> that doesn't mean he was the effeminate kind of guy who wore the kind of aprons that women would wear around the house to do housework. He was a tent maker, folks. And 
tent makers wore aprons to hold their their doodads. And my my father had a tool and die shop, and I remember Brother Claude Booms and I worked for him, and he'd wear an apron to keep from getting all the grease and cutting oil all, all over him. And, and carpenters. My dad, when he did carpentry work, he wore kind of an apron, uh, and he kept his nails in it and other stuff that carpenters like Bill <laughs> when they were doing carpentry work. Uh, and I, I also remember Dad had a big red handkerchief, or sometimes a big blue handkerchief. Remember those big things we used to have, guys? Just, just to wipe his sweaty brow while he's making dance. And looks like Paul had a handkerchief as well. But here's the thing. Healing those folks by, by proxy uh, for, from a distance like that, that's what made these special miracles these were the kinds of things that men could not duplicate. Unlike the next verses where you find a couple of men, or more than a couple of men, uh, duplicating something that Paul did do. We just read that Paul uh, sent evil spirits out of people and What does it say in verse 13? Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now this is the reason God suddenly decided to start doing special miracles by Paul. You see, once Paul's gospel got so popular that it, that it spread throughout Asia, there was money to be made by associating with Paul. I mean, you don't think these guys were casting out devils out of the goodness of their hearts, do you? No, they were in for the money. So to make Paul stand out from that crowd, God did these special miracles that they couldn't do. It's kind of like how God made Moses and Aaron stand out from the crowd of the magicians. When God turned Aaron's rod into a serpent, Pharaoh's magicians turned their rods into serpents. Every miracle Moses and Aaron did, the magicians were able to duplicate. So finally God had enough of that. (laughs) And he worked a special miracle by Moses and Aaron to get them to stand out from the crowd. We read about it in Exodus eight seventeen and 19, where it says, Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. And then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. We can't do that. The one thing the magicians could not do, folks, was create life out of the dust of the ground. But God could, and he did in Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed men, where? Of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Listen, those frogs that Moses and Aaron came up, they came out of the river. So those Magicians, they could duplicate that. They couldn't create life. When when Pharaoh's magicians reached down to the dust, 
They couldn't even create a lousy louse. That's what the plural, the singular of of lice is. You know, louse like mouse and mice. No. How come if it's mouse and mice and louse and lice, it's not house and heist? Why is that? I don't know. But that's how God made Moses and Aaron stand out from the crowd of the magicians by doing something they couldn't do. And here in Acts 19, that's how God made Paul stand out from the crowd of these religious hucksters here by doing special miracles they couldn't do. Now, these Jews here are symbolic of the nation of Israel. Notice that verse 13 calls them vagabonds. Listen, folks. By this time in the book of Acts, Jews were not supposed to be vagabonds. They were supposed to be back in their homeland in the kingdom of heaven on earth. The dictionary says a vagabond is like a nomad. Somebody with no place to call home. The first word it uses to define the word vagabond is a wanderer. Have you ever heard that expression, the wandering Jew? It's a cliche in our language. And that's what the Jews became when they refused to let God gather them into their homeland in the kingdom like he promised in your next reference. Ezekiel 36, 24 and 25. Ezekiel's quoting God. And he says, I'll take you from among the heathen, you Jews, and gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you'll be clean. So you know you're talking about the kingdom. From all your filthiness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. When the Jews refused to be gathered into their homeland, God made them vagabonds who had no homeland. You know, Cain was a type of this. You know why Cain killed his brother? Because he was able. You were teaching out him this morning, weren't you? Cain killed his brother, and as it says in Genesis 4, 9 and 12, the Lord said to Cain, A fugitive and a what? A vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Listen, that word vagabond is only used a couple times in the Bible. Well, let me ask you, didn't the Jews kill their brother, the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Peter and every time Paul, anybody starts a sermon to the Jews, how do they start? Men and brethren! Well, when they killed their brother Jesus, that's why God cursed them to wander the earth like Cain instead of bringing them into their, into their homeland. And the Jews here in Acts 19, they're a type of that vagabond nation. Do you know who else was a type of that vagabond nation? Judas. Do you remember what David prayed about Judas in Psalm 109, 8 and 10? Let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be continually, there's the word again, vagabonds. Let his children be vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. Now we know that's talking about Judas because Peter quotes that verse when they went to pick up a replacement for Judas, right? What does it say in Acts 1? And by the way, when we get done reading this, don't turn it over. We've got to look back at another one. Acts 1, 15-26, In those days Peter said, This scripture must needs have been fulfilled, that David spake, before concerning Judas, the one we just read in the book of Psalms. Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his office, his bishopric, let another take. And as you know, Matthias was numbered 
with the eleven apostles. You know, Judas's days were few, like David prayed there in Psalm 109. He died a young man. But here's the thing. As far as we know, Judas didn't have any children to become vagabonds. So I think David was talking about his spiritual children in Israel. You know, the children of Israel. They're the ones who became vagabonds after Judas sold the Lord out for 30 pieces of silver. Look at that Psalm 109 reference again there at the end. Look at the end where it says that Judas' children would live in desolate places. That ought to make you think of what the Lord told the Jews after you turn the page over. (laughs) What the Lord told the Jews after the Jews rejected him in Matthew 23, 37-39. Oh, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together for the kingdom, and you wouldn't have it. Behold your house, not just the temple that he was standing in, the house of Israel is left unto you, and there's that word, desolate. You shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Folks, the Jews went from the chance to rule the world from their homeland in the kingdom to having to wander the world looking for bread wherever they could find it as we see pictured by these vagabond Jews who were wandering the world trying to earn their bread by casting out demons. That is how low the nation had sunk. And just when you think they couldn't sink any lower, these Jews here were using the names of the Christ they crucified and the apostle they persecuted to make money. Now that's low, folks. But as we've been seeing, that's one of the purposes of the book of Acts. To show how low the nation of Israel had fallen and kept fallen. But, before you start looking down your nose at the Jews, I remind you, that since Paul's day, it has been Gentile preachers who've been used in the name of Jesus and Paul to make money. I mean, these Jews might have started it, but listen, the Gentiles have perfected it down through the centuries. If you've never seen the religious charlatans on TV, it's probably because you're watching something better like Old episodes of Hogan's Heroes, right, Jim? Jim likes Hogan's Heroes. Well, we learn more about these exorcists in verse 14 back in your Bible, where it says of them, and there were seven sons of a guy named Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests who were doing this. Now, you'll notice there that these Jews were all the sons of one of the chiefs of Israel's priests. I got a question for you. What line of work do the sons of priests usually go into? I can tell you it is an exorcism. (laughs) They were all supposed to be priests like their daddy because they were of the priestly tribe of Levi. And here we got another picture of what the nation of Israel should have been doing by this time. They should have been God's priests to the rest of the world in the kingdom. Look what Isaiah told the Jews about the kingdom in Isaiah 61.6. He said, Ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men will call you the ministers of our God. And you'll eat the riches of the Gentiles. By this time in the book of Acts, the sons of that priest should have been priests in the kingdom with with Gentiles bringing them their riches. 
instead of having to go around among the Gentiles scrounging for bread. All because they rejected God's plan for their lives. You know, God has a plan for your life that's found in Paul's epistles. And if you reject it, I guarantee you will find yourself sunk as low as these Jews. You'll sink so low you'll have to look up to tie your shoelaces. You'll sink so low you'll be lower than this guy in Job 8.1. Bill died the shoe height. Shortest guy in the Bible. Shoe height. That's how low you'll sink if you reject God's plan for you. Now, verse 13 says that these Jews were exorcists long before they tried to use Jesus to cast out devils. And they are about to find out that using Jesus whom Paul preached was not a good move on their part. Look at, look at verse 15. Verse 15, the evil spirit answered them when they said, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? That wicked spirit was not about to let them get away with associating themselves with Jesus and Paul. Now by the way, that shows you that the Apostle Paul was famous in hell. Now I know the Lord was, because he was the Son of God, of course, but Paul was just as famous. How about you? Are you famous in hell? You are if you preach what Paul preached. That's the only kind of fame you should be looking for in life, folks. But now, as you, if you know the story, you know that that evil spirit did more than just embarrass those Jewish exorcists. Look at verse 16, back in your Bible. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house. They were making a house call that day. They fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now you look at that. Think it through. The odds were 7 to 1 in favor of the exorcist. But that old boy whooped up on him. I asked James Sermons how to put that colorfully and he said, tell him that uh, he stomped mud holes in their livers. That's how Southerners talk. He stomped mud holes in their livers. <laughs> Now, the re- you know, if you know your Bible, you know the reason he could beat those seven to one odds is because in the Bible, demon possessed men had superhuman strength, as you see in your your next reference, Mark five, two to four. There, there met the Lord out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, guy who was possessed, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Devils hang out in cemeteries, folks, impersonating people, pretending to be ghosts when they're not possessing people. And this guy, no man could bind him, not with chains, because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. This is one bad dude. This is one mean hombre. Meaner than a junkyard dog, Jim Croce would say, right? You know what else Jim would sing about him? You don't mess around with him. (laughs) Remember the song? Nod in your head if you think. Yeah, you don't. But these Jews here in Acts 19 messed with a guy just like him. And they ended up looking like Leroy Brown, another guy Jim sang. Remember that one? Well, the two men took the fighting, and when they pulled them from the floor, Leroy looked like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. Right? Yeah, well, that's what these guys here look like when they fled out of that house naked and wounded. 
Now, it doesn't say what kind of wounds they had, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that devil didn't fight fair. And I think they ended up uh, like this guy in Deuteronomy 23, wounded in the stones. You don't fight fair, that's what happens. And if that's what happened to these Jews here, see, I looked up that word wounded, there's only a couple times... If that's what happened to these Jews here, they couldn't be priests in Israel. What does Leviticus 21, 17-20 say? Whosoever hath a blemish, any blemish, let him not be a priest. Let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. Blind man or a lame? Man that's broken-footed if he got into a fight? Or broken-handed if he got into a fight? Or hath his stout broken? Well, as you can see, no matter how that demon tore those guys up, it disqualified them from being priests. And that's a picture, folks, of where the nation Israel stands today. Defeated by the devil and disqualified from being the priest that God planned for them to be in the kingdom. Now, after the rapture and after the tribulation, Jews will be priests in the kingdom. And we see that pictured in Job. Look at Job 1, 1, 2, and 5. There was a man, it says, whose name was Job. And there were born unto him seven sons. Job offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. You say, why is he doing that? Well, back in the days before Israel's priesthood got started, back in Job's day, the father of the family was the priest of the family, and Job was a priest with seven sons like Sceva. Then what happened to Job in... Job 119, there, there came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the four corners of the house, and it fell on his sons, and they're dead. Job lost all seven of his sons. But after about 40 chapters of trials and tribulations, what did God do in Job 42, 12 and 13? The Lord blessed the latter end of Job, for he had seven more sons. God gave Job seven more sons in his latter end. And that's a type of how in the latter days of Israel, after she goes through a whole lot of tribulation, Israel's going to get her priest back and be God's priest to the world. And when you factor in how verse 16 back in your Bible there says that these Jews fled out of that house naked as well as wounded, oh, folks, that shows that the nation of Israel is just reaping what they sowed. Because that same combination of nakedness and woundedness is only found one other place in your Bible. It's when the Lord told a guy in Luke 10, Love the Lord thy... I'm sorry, 27 to 36. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he, wanting to be a wise guy, said unto Jesus, "Uh, and, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him a parable. A certain man fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him. So he was naked and wounded and departed, leaving him half dead. And then what? By chance, some people don't believe, Christians don't believe in luck, but the Lord did. By chance, the Lord said, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw this poor guy naked and wounded, He passed by on the other side. A certain Samaritan, when he saw him, had compassion on him, bound up his wounds, and 
the Lord ends by saying, which now of these three do you think was neighbor unto the guy that fell among the thieves? Now listen, folks. That is what these priests were supposed to be doing by this time in the book of Acts. Ministering to the spiritual wounds of their neighbors in the world of the Gentiles. But when they said no to their king and no to their kingdom, they left their neighboring Gentiles naked and spiritually wounded. So God left them naked and wounded as you're seeing pictured here with these guys. Well, when news of what happened to these Jews here got around, it had quite an effect on the community, as you can imagine. And as you can read in verse 17 back in your Bible, where it says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks who were also dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now you know what you're seeing there? You're seeing the same thing we saw back in Acts 13. A Jew was judged and a Gentile got saved. That's what's going on here. The Jews were judged and whooped up on and these Gentiles are getting saved. That's a picture of what's going on today in the dispensation of grace, isn't it? Maybe you're thinking, well, how do you know those Jews and Greeks got saved there in that verse? Well, look what they did in the next three verses in your Bible, in verses 18 to 20. And i got to read carefully because my pages are pretty worn in this passage. In verse 18 it says that many of them, the Jews and the Greeks that got so fearful in verse 17, many of them believed, many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now beside the fact that it actually says that they believed, I don't know about you, but taking that big of a financial hit, (laughs) that tells me they did believe and get saved. And when fear fell on them, they confessed what they had been doing, it says. And it says what they'd been doing was trafficking in curious arts. We would call them the black arts or the dark arts. You know, the same kind of devilish stuff that those exorcists were messing around with and trafficking in. You say, well, why are they called curious arts? Well, how many of you have a curio cabinet at home? Raise your hand if you've got a curio cabinet. Yeah, a few of you. Curio cabinet is where you put these figurines, right? The reason it's called a curio cabinet is because originally those cabinets were supposed to display curiosities, things that people would be curious about. You know, like the black arts. People have always been curious about that stuff. So these Jews were selling what we would call Magical curios. There's a word for it. Did you ever hear the word talisman? Nod your head. No? Yeah. A talisman, I looked it up, is a, is a ring or a stone or some other object or an amulet. You know what an amulet is? It, it, it's jewelry. Jewelry that is supposed to work like a good luck charm to ward off evil spirits. Like we're talking about in this passage. 
Listen, folks, that's how it says in verse 18, that's how these people showed their deeds. They showed these rings, these stones, these good luck charms that they had made to sell and traffic in. And that means when it says they confessed, they weren't confessing to sleeping with their neighbor's wives or cheating at Pinochle and stuff like that. The judgment that fell on those exorcists wouldn't have made them fearful about those things. They were fearful because they were doing the same things the exorcists were doing. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, think it through. They must have been practicing these curious arts for an awfully long time to have that many books, right? But once Paul made his gospel popular, they decided to capitalize on the Jesus whom Paul preached just like the exorcists were doing. They decided to combine curious arts with the Jesus that Paul preached. They said, well, how would they do that? Well, the Church of Rome would never call a crucifix a talisman. That's what it is, folks. Their priests mean well, but when they go to someone they think is possessed by the devil, they hold that crucifix up to that person as some sort of Jesus good luck charm. That's that's what they they do it to ward off evil spirits. And Rome would never call a rosary an amulet, but it's a piece of jewelry. Hey folks, once Paul made Jesus popular, there was money to be made in Jesus. Down through the centuries, the church of Rome has raked it in. But once the people of Ephesus heard how the devil turned on those exorcists when they tried to use the name of Jesus, that's why they feared. They feared the same thing was going to happen to them. And they did a complete 180. Because they had to admit or confess that they were doing the same thing. And it was only a matter of time before those devils turned on them. That's why they were fearful. That's why they got saved. Now, if you're here this morning or watching the video, if you're afraid of evil spirits, look at verse 20 there. You see where it says the word of God prevailed? That's the same word we just saw up in verse 16 where it says that the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. So if you think evil spirits can prevail against you, that verse says God's word prevailed mightily against them. You don't have to worry about those guys, folks. But if you want to know what evil spirits are actually up to today, today in the dispensation of grace, look what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 8 and 9. As Jans and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, these false teachers. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Jans and Jambres were names of Pharaoh's magicians, folks. The ones who withstood Moses by duplicating all his miracles. So Paul is telling Timothy that today, Satan withstands us by duplicating what we're doing. And what we're doing is preaching Pauline truth and Pauline gospels. So if you want to know how the devil withstands us and and his demons withstand us, they use men of corrupt minds who are reprobate concerning the faith 
add the Jesus whom Paul preached to all the nonsense that they're preaching. And Timothy. Timothy would know exactly what Paul was talking about with that reference because, well, what did Paul tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.3? I besought thee to abide still where? In Ephesus. Timothy had seen the crucifixes and the rosaries that men of corrupt minds are selling. So he'd understand the point of comparison. So Paul finished that passage in 2 Timothy 3 by encouraging Timothy and saying in 2 Timothy 3, 8, and 9, Jans and Drambries withstood Moses and so do these false teachers that are doing it to you. But their folly will be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. The magician's folly was manifested when they couldn't produce life, right? And listen, religious charms and amulets and talismans and crucifixes can't create eternal life. And when we get to heaven, that verse there says, all of that folly is going to be manifest to the universe. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to that day. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this passage of Scripture and the Jesus whom Paul preached. We're astounded, Father, when we see the things in your word, as we mentioned earlier this morning in our morning prayer, that all the things in the Old Testament that point to Christ. And now as we look into this transition book of Acts and see the pictures laid out, the, 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 the object lessons you gave to illustrate what God's what you're doing with the people of Israel, Father, we're humbled before a God like this. We know we could put our full confidence in you. And we do this morning, Father, because of all that Christ has done for us. We thank you for it in his name. Amen.